Uh, Matthew 13, verse 44. Just a thought, really. And here's the thought. What God wants from you, he'll always give it to you first. Now, that doesn't seem that, but I tell you, when you, when you get a hold of that, it just transforms your life. Let me say again. What God wants from you, he gives to you first. That is such an incredible thought. It, I tell you what, it just changes your life when you realize that. As I said, I think sometimes we're striving and struggling for things. But all we need to simply realize is that whatever God wants from us, he first of all gives it to us. Let me go read your verse, Matthew, Matthew 13, verse 44. In amazing, after Christmas, we all feel kind of exhausted and tired and... Uh, Matthew 13, verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Now, those of us who, I suppose, who have older children, if you like, do you remember when they were young, when it came to Christmas? Remember what you did? You would give them the money to buy your present. Anybody remember that? Do you remember that? They can't, if you like, they haven't got the resources to buy it themselves, but you give them the money to buy your present. Some of you are probably still doing it now, but the truth is that's what you do. You give them the money and you, in return, get your present by giving them the money first. You know what the amazing thing is? That present is still precious to you. You still think, wow, thank you, that's wonderful, fantastic. Thank you for the present that I've just bought. You know, that is awesome, thank you very much. And it, it still kind of challenges you, it still kind of touches your heart. You know, redemption, really, if I use that word, it's really all about recovering all that God originally meant you to be. That's what restoration really is. It's God restoring to you all that you were meant to be. And almost through the process of your life, God is doing that, continually restoring back to your life all that you were meant to be. You know, our our speaking, our way of life, our attitudes, it's all meant to kind of reflect heaven. And here's what to see that each of us has a treasure God's put potential in you. He's put ability in you. He's put gifts in you. He's put all kinds of stuff in your life. And out of the process of our life, we're digging this treasure, if you like, and recovering the treasure that God, first of all, placed in us. And the Holy Spirit enables us to dig around and release that redemptive part that God wants to redeem and bring into our life. Because every one of us has a treasure God's put in us. And the goal really in our life is to restore that, is to dig it, and to let that treasure begin to be magnified and and released in our life. There's one to see. When God speaks to you, he speaks to the treasure. He speaks to the potential. He speaks to all that's in you. We often lose sight of that. God doesn't 
speak to what you haven't got. It doesn't speak to, to, to who you're not. It doesn't kind of speak to you and tell you how useless you are, how rubbish you are. He speaks to the treasure within you. Let me give you an example. How many love Gideon? I think Gideon's an incredible example, isn't he? When God first comes to Gideon, what does he say to Gideon? He doesn't say, you no good, low-down person. Here's a man, he's full of fear. He has low self-esteem. He's he's battling with all kinds of stuff inside his life. He's struggling with things of life. He's full of fear, low self-esteem. He hides away. And God sends an angel, and the words that the angel speaks to him are, Gideon, mighty man. Mighty man of valor. He's so awestruck by that, actually he doesn't think God's speaking to him. He's kind of looking around, probably thinking, who's he talking to? And God's saying, Gideon, you are a mighty man of valor. Now, out of that revelation, out of that understanding, out of God speaking to the treasure within him, the Bible says immediately he brings down strongholds, he becomes a leader in the nation, and he begins to fulfill his potential because God speaks to that potential within him. Zacchaeus is another amazing example. He climbs up a tree. Now, often people say he climbs up the tree to see Jesus, which is partly true. I think he kind of climbed up a tree because he was so hated. If he stood among the crowd, how many would realize that he may not have survived it? So he's up that tree, wanting to see Jesus, but also escaping all the crowd that hated him so much. And the Bible says, Jesus looks up and says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. In those kind of culture, when someone came to your house or come into a place of fellowship, it was almost an honor for someone to come to your house. It was recognition. It was a place of honor. And suddenly he felt loved. He felt, he felt value. And out of that sense of love, out of that sense of value, something touched his heart. And the Bible says then he he paid back every single person he'd stolen. He paid back for double the amount he'd stolen from them. Something so touched his heart because Jesus spoke to the treasure. And as Jesus spoke to the treasure within him, there came this response. And that's how we respond in life. It's when God speaks to the treasure within us, we tend to rise up and respond to it. See, Whatever you, whatever you speak to in your life will rise up in your life. If you speak to your fears, then your fears are going to rise up. If you speak to your inferiority, then your inferiority will rise up. Whatever you speak to will rise up in you. How do you speak to it? Through your thought life through your conversations you have with yourself. How many have conversations with yourself? We do, don't we? We, we, we? we have conversations with ourselves. But often, most of the conversations we have with ourselves, we speak to the negative things within us, rather than speaking to the treasure within us. Because whatever we speak to, whatever we speak to, whatever we speak to will rise up in us. So imagine if I speak to the Christ within me. 
Amazing. What happens if I speak to the potential within me? What happens if I speak to who I am in Christ within me? That will cause that to rise up within me. And when that treasure is spoken in you, you then start to get rid of the rubbish in your life. Because you want to remove everything that's contrary to who you're meant to be. Is that right? When something speaks to the treasure within you, you begin to remove and dismiss and remove everything that is contrary to that treasure, contrary to the person you're meant to be in Christ. Can you say amen? I just think such an awesome thing. Now think about this. God always takes the initiative. He comes to us so that we can come to him. Isaiah says, His word shall not return to him void, but it will accomplish all that God sent it to do. In other words, as God sends his word to us, it goes back to him in prayer and worship, declaration, lifestyle, the prophetic. The word begins with God and goes back to God. Whatever God wants from you, He will give, first of all, to you. He will not require anything from you that he has first not given to you. 1 John 4. We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. I only love him because he first loves me. I receive of his love, and I give back to him the love he's first of all given to me. How many can see that? He pours his love into you, so you pour it back out again. In other words, nothing originates in us. If it originates in us, then really that's the flesh. Is that right? If it originates in me, first of all, then that's from my flesh. And whatever is of the flesh does not please God. How many realize that? Paul said to the church in Galatia, you began in the Spirit. That was awesome because that began with me. But how come you've left what began with me and now you've gone into the flesh? You've gone something you began to go back into something that originates with you, and because it originates with you, it doesn't please me. The flesh, what profiteth nothing. It always needs to originate with God. So, we are giving back to God what He first gave to us. Now, here's the good news. The great news is this. That means I don't have to perform anymore. I don't have to strive anymore. I don't have to struggle anymore. I don't have to try and push anything anymore. Because it begins with God. I can only give back to God what he first gives to me. But here's the key. That means I need to learn to receive from God. I need to receive. Because if what I need, I receive. He gives to me. I need to learn to how to receive from him. That's why we all need to develop childlike attitudes. That's why we need a childlike attitude. Because a child, above all else, how many know children know how to receive? 
Think of your children. Did they ever have any problem in receiving from you? Is that right? Did you have to really force them to receive anything from you? Did you have to talk them into it? Thank you. A child receives so naturally and so easily because a childlike attitude isn't complicated. They don't say things like, oh, how do you afford that then? They don't even think about that. Where do you get that from? How can you do that? A child has a simplistic way of receiving. It has a childlike trust. It has a a childlike attitude. it's, It's able to receive in such an easy way. That's what I said, on, I think, on, on Christmas Day, where it was, that children dream big dreams. They have an amazing ability to dream. They can dream the most incredible dreams. It's only when we grow older and we fail and, and we get discouraged and we have disappointments, we lose our ability to dream. And that's why God wants you to be childlike so you still have big dreams. Amen. You still have amazing dreams and amazing things. What God can do in your life. So here's what I'm saying. God gives so we can pour it back. James 1.17. Let's look at a few scriptures that kind of, I suppose, magnify and, and bring this really to light. So I just want this truth just to get down into the depths of your heart. James 1, verse 17. I love this. Every good gift, so everything that comes, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. And it comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Awesome. Romans 11, verse 35. And I think it just brings us out so well. Or who has first given to him, and it shall be repaid to him. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To whom his glory is forever. In other words, from him, through, through me, and back to him. Everything you want from God, you must, first of all, receive from God. How many thank God's the greatest giver ever? For God so loved the world that he what, gave. You are saved through faith, by grace, which is not of your own brain. What? A gift from God. Everything comes from Him. And so that brings us to this place that we're not struggling or manipulating or forcing something. Everything I want to achieve for Him, I first of all must receive from Him. And as I receive from Him, then it comes to flow out of me. First of all, comes from him. You know, the wonderful thing about that is, that means I can be so relaxed. Because ultimately, it depends on him, and it depends on me simply learning to receive what he already wants to give. Let's look at Luke chapter 6. 
Luke chapter 6. Read a few verses, verse 27. There's so much we could read about this, but let me just take a few, uh, get a few things. Verse 27. For I say to you, who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, off the other also. From him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that you? For even sinners love those who, who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that for? Even sinners do the same. If you lend to those who you hope to receive back, what credit is that for you? For even the sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. Love your enemies, do good, and lend hoping for nothing in return, that your reward will be great and you'll be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore be merciful just as your Father is merciful to you. Give, verse 38, give and it will be given to you good measure, pressed down, shed together and running over out of your bosom. And we can see the point of that. It's all about the God pours into me, so I give back. How do you love your enemies, we're told? First of all, Bless them. Be the first to give. And I think so often we have so much mistrust and suspicion. I thought about this. How do you love your enemies? Here's the first thing. First of all, don't see them as enemy. If you don't see someone as an enemy, they can't be one. In other words, that whole chapter really is all about giving. In other words, the greatest receivers are always the greatest givers. If you're a giver, you'll never have a problem in receiving. Give. Have an open heart. Be such a, a giver in life. So God can pour into you. Here's, what, here's a principle I found. If God can push it through you, he'll give it to you. Think about that. If God can push it through you, he will give it to you. If he can't push it through you, then he's not going to give it to you because he gives it to you so he can push it through you. So everything God gives, it's for God's, the purpose for God to push it through you. If he, if he can't push it through you, they won't give it to you. But you live a life of giving and, and seeking to be a blessing. Then God will push it through you because he pushes it through you so you can touch somebody else. Can you say amen? Now, turn to Mark 12. Whatever God requires of you, he will first of all give it to you. Mark 12 and verse 39. The first of all commandments. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. Second is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And there is no other commandments greater than these. How do you love God with such a passion? How do you love God with all your strength, with all your mind, with all your soul? I'll tell you how. Because that's how he first loved you. God loves you with all his strength. He loves you with such a passion. He loves you with all his strength. Think about this. God loves you with all his mind. God says this. He says, I know the thoughts 
I have towards you. Psalm 139 tells us that the thoughts that God has towards us are so numerous that you can't even count them. And the way, if you like, to, to see my life transformed is by allowing the thoughts that God has towards me to begin to grip my heart and life. The more I see God's thoughts towards me, the more I'm able to receive what he wants to pour into me. This sense of of how passionately, how awesomely, how mightily God loves me. I was thinking about this, you know. Is it true so often we can get disillusioned with people or disillusioned with circumstances? Ever thought about this? God never gets disillusioned with you. Isn't that good to know? You know why God never gets disillusioned with you? Because he had no illusion about you in the first place. He just loves you. With this incredible, awesome passion. And really what it's all about this morning, if I'm to receive from God, I need to learn to access the things that God wants to pour into me. If I don't know how to access it, then I can't receive it. And if I can't receive it, then I can't give it. And if I can't give it, then I can't be the person that God's called me to be. How many can see that? So I want to talk about how we first, how we can access the things that God wants to give to us to enable us to be all that we're meant to be. I think there's one of the access points is receiving a revelation of, of certain aspects of God's character. I really believe with all my heart, every single person, every one of us, has a certain aspect of God's character that we relate to more than the other parts of it. And often that part of God's character that you relate to is the part that will enable you to access what God's got for you. For example, I think one of the real things that is a revelation to me, one of the aspects of, that brings me to an access point before God is when I kind of see his, his restoring power, his I call it merciful restoration. I found that for me personally as an access point. That's an incredible access point for me to receive from God. To see that he's a merciful restorer. Because why why is that an access point to me? Because I've experienced it. I've encountered God's restoring power in my life. I've seen how God's restored things to my life. And I know he's done it not because of me, but because out of his mercy. And because that's so real to me, that's an access point. I can connect with God. For some of us, it might be the goodness of God. There's different levels of God's character, although his character is true for all of us, yet there are certain points of his character that enable us to access it because we've experienced and encountered it. Let me give you another kind of, ex- a kind of example. I remember a few weeks ago with Tim, remember that, when he shared that God healed his back? I remember that. Now that was something, you see, the most powerful thing of all is a testimony. Why is a testimony so powerful? Because it's so real to you. It's so real to you that as you begin to share it and, and testify to it, something encounters and touches somebody else because it's so real to you. And remember when he gave that, I think we had an appeal then and lots of people responded because it, it seemed so real to him. Now, let me add to the story. 
I think it's probably a week or so later, we went to see, remember we went to, see you, you went, to your, went to your house, Joe, went to see you? A few weeks ago, we went to see you, went to your house, remember? Now, number one, we couldn't, fun to access, we couldn't get access to a house because she couldn't open the door. I thought, gosh, she's so welcoming. She's at the door waiting for us to come, but the truth was, she couldn't open the door to get in. <laughs> but once we got in, well, I think we'd been there a couple of, an hour or so, and, and, uh, who was it came around now? Pardon? Kath, that was it, yeah, I remember. I couldn't believe, yeah, Kath came around. And she had a problem with her back, didn't she? And, and I think we, I said, Jill, just pray for her. And she was just totally healed. So I thought to myself, how amazing that. Tim has this testimony of what God's done for him. He shares that testimony and he kind of goes on and on because it was something so real and something so real always has the potential. It's like a seed that's when it releases, it just grows and grows and grows. That's why we need continual encounters with God. Why? Because we've got continual testimonies. And testimonies which we have received from God so that we're able to pour out for somebody else can say amen. Here's the next excess point. Obedience. Disobedience will always be a blockage to receive from God. So God will bring us to a place of obedience, because obedience is the place that you will receive from God. That's why God wants to remove disobedience, because disobedience is a blockage to receiving and accessing what God has for you. Here's the next thing. Dependence. I was thinking, how, the, how did Jesus work with the Father? Think about it. The Father initiated it, and the Son responded. That's how all the time. Father initiates, Son responds. And he would say, if that's good enough for Jesus, it should be good enough for us. Is that right? The Father initiates. All we do is respond. Jesus says things like this. I can do nothing of myself. But it's the Father that works through me. He says, the words I speak to you are not my own words, but they're words that come from the Father. He lived a life of total dependency. And as as he lived that life of dependency, he was able to receive all the Father had from from him and he was able to manifest what the Father was pouring into him. And the key, really, to receiving from God, really, is learning to depend on him. Because so often we are so independent We always want to be in control. But the key is to learn to become dependent on Jesus. You know what he said? He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. All you need to learn to do is keep connected to me. Keep learning, keep trusting, keep opening your life to me. And the more you do that, the more dependent you come, the more you will receive and the more I will pour out into your life. Life, can you say amen? Let me just give you one more. Wait to say with me to, to Romans 9.25. Here's the last one, and just get a hold of this. Know your role as the beloved. Romans 9, verse 25. I kind of love this one. And he says in Hosea, I shall call them my people who are not a people. Her beloved who was not beloved. Ephesians 1 6 says, We've been accepted in the beloved. I just don't get a hold of that. But I think the way to receive from God 
is to know that you are the beloved of God. My verse for the Christmas week really has been this. I've been meditating on this. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten which was in the bosom, I love that phrase, he was in the bosom of the Father. In other words, Jesus in eternity, if you like, existed in the heart of the Father. And when Jesus came to earth, he, be, he came to reveal the Father's heart. What was the Father's heart? The fact that we are loved and beloved of God. That was in the Father's heart. That's what Jesus came to reveal. That we are beloved of God, beloved of the Father. And the Father said to him, This is what my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. Now you think about this. That when Satan came to test Jesus, or tempt him, it's very interesting, he never used the word beloved. He says, you... He says, you are, if you are a son of God. He never used the word beloved. And this is how the enemy operates. He removes from you the concept that you are loved of God. When you know that you are loved of God, every plot of the enemy will fail against you. I think one of the reasons why we can be tempted, why we can be overcome by things in life, it's because so often we feel so unloved and we feel so rejected. And that is the vulnerability that the enemy attacks. The moment you feel unloved, the moment you feel no sense of worth or sense of value, that's where often we fall. That's where we enter in all kinds of sin and habits because we've lost sight that we are precious to God. Five times throughout John's Gospel, he refers to himself as the disciple to whom Jesus loved. In other words, he lived out of a, a personal understanding that he was loved by Jesus. And we've got to personalize it. We've got to recognize it. I'm loved by Father. I'm loved by God. I am the beloved of God. And the more I understand that, the more that grows in my heart, the more I'm going to overcome all the obstacles, all the challenges, all the things that want to pull me away from God. Ultimately, it will be that awareness. In other words, grow in your awareness that you are the beloved of God. And the more you grow in that awareness, the stronger and more powerful you'll become. Let me close. Let me just bring one last verse. 1 John 4. 1 John 4. I think the enemy's tactic is to draw us away from that sense. To draw us away from that. And the moment we're drawn from that, then we alienate ourselves. We, we no longer are able to access the things God has for us. 1 John 4, 16. The letter of John, 1 John 4, 16. And we have known and have believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this that we have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is so are we in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Now there's two Greek words for the, to know. There's one that is, there is basically one that is an intellectual knowledge and the second is a knowledge through experience. 
How do I know what I have? How do I know if I have knowledge through experience or, or intellectual knowledge of love? So I'll tell you how you know. If anxiety and fear and worry and, and all those things are, are and you're, you're struggling with identity, full of insecurities, then really you're not coming to know the love of God through experience. Here's what I'm saying this morning. We don't just believe in the love of God. We know. We know that we know that we know that we know that God loves us. It's not dependent on on the challenges, on the things I'm going through in life. I just know that I know that I know that I know, regardless of what happens, I'm loved by God. And when that grips my heart, it takes me to a whole new level of Christian living. I know that nothing the enemy can do can touch me because I am his beloved. And I pray this coming year that you will be overwhelmed by the Father's love. I pray it will overwhelm you. I pray it will saturate you. I pray it will fill the innermost part of your being. And you'll be able to say, I know that I know that I know in the face of that adversity, in the face of that challenge, I know that I know that I know I'm loved. And beloved of God. Amen. Let me close by this. It's a circle. We receive from God so that we can give back to God. Here's the point. The key is learning to give what God has given to me. How many will love more money. How many would like that one? <laughs> if you've got a, a financial need, then the greatest way to see that financial need met is often to give. Often contrary to how the world system is, but that's the greatest way to see a need met is to give. If you want encouragement, then guess what you need to do? Give encouragement. If I want to be blessed, then the greatest thing to do is to be a blessing. In other words, whatever I see a need, if I need healing, the great thing to do is to pray for somebody who is sick. Whatever I need, then I first of all give. And as I give, then God begins to respond to me. He wants you to become everything. He wants to come to you and be everything that you need so that you can become everything he wants you to be. But always remember, it originates with him through you and back to him. Let me close this last verse. One, 2 Peter 1, 3. And I'm reading it from the message. I think it brings it up so well. Everything that goes into pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately the one who invited us to God. Everything I need. God has provided. Anybody believe that? All I've got to simply do is learn to receive. Everything God's called you to be. We use the word anointing. Every word, the anointing. The anointing is God's power, God's ability to be all that God has called you to be. Because you can't do it in your own power and strength. Is that right? So if he's called you to be a certain thing, whether it be a, a worship, musician, children's worker, youth worker, whatever that is, God anoints you and equips you and empowers you to do it. The key is just receiving.
as I receive of it, I become all that God wants me to be. Let's just stand as we close right now. Just thank him right now. That everything that he needs you to be, he first of all provides for you to be that. That means performance and striving and pushing and all these things kind of evaporate from us. So all we do is receive. That's what Jesus did really. He spent time with the Father, receiving from Father. And as he received from the Father, he then went out and ministered to the broken world. That's all we're called to do. As simple as it is, we just minister to God, minister to the Father, and out of what we receive to the fa- from Father, we then minister to a broken, hurting world. Isn't it simple? But all we need to learn is to receive. Receive love to love broken people. Receive mercy to be merciful. Receive power to heal. Receive power to do all that God has called you to be. It's just opening your heart and receiving all the Father has for you. Lord, we just stand amazed today that all that we need, our Father has provided. And Lord, we know we haven't deserved that or earned that because of your amazing mercy. And I pray, Lord, as we face this coming year, all the needs that we would face, all the circumstances, all the challenges that will be before us, we know we can never meet that in our own power and strength. But we thank you today for for grace. Thank you for your empowering to enable us to be all that you've called us to be. I pray more and more, give us hearts uh, a childlike, Lord. Give us hearts to have the ability to receive all that you have for us. I pray for every blockage, every war to be demolished and pulled down that we would receive, that we would be all that you've called us to be because we're receiving everything that the Heavenly Father has called us to do and be. So, Lord, we thank you today. We just rest in your goodness. We rest in your mercy. We rest in your love. And we praise you for all that you've achieved for us today. And, Lord, we say today, all that we've received, Lord, we will give away, God. Cause us to be givers. Cause us to give everything that we received away so that we may bring honor and glory to your name. In Jesus' mighty name. Lord, bless your people this week, I pray. May your blessing, may your favor, may your strength and your grace be upon them right now. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.